1: Welcome to Administrative Static, and this week, Mark and I are joined by Janine Eunice, who is uh, our lead on the case Missouri v. Biden, where we represent individual clients uh, against many, many agencies and individuals in the administrative state for uh, pressuring and uh, making the social media corporations uh, censor speech on their platforms. Um, so welcome, Janine. Thank you for having me back. And we have a very, very exciting uh, episode, I think, uh, for most of our listeners. No be- pressure. Because, <laughs> because last week, Janine and I attended the deposition of one Dr. Anthony Fauci. And uh, in this suit, uh, we've alleged various uh, persons in their official capacities had influenced these social media platforms to take off material they didn't like. And uh, Dr. Fauci famously does not like uh, doctors who disagree with him on the uh, approach to public health. Uh, I don't think we were disabused of that, what I just stated from the deposition. But Janine, why don't you tell us, why did we have this deposition?
2: Well, we had the deposition to sort of uh, get to the bottom of his involvement uh, in any sort of censorship involving our clients, uh, especially. So two of our clients wrote the Great Barrington Declaration, which was a short treatise that um, eschewed lockdowns, basically said that uh, lockdowns do more harm than good. And these are two top epidemiologists from Stanford and Harvard. And tell, so, tell
1: us who our clients are.
2: Those are. The, yeah. What, what are their are names? Are, oh, sorry. Jay Bhattacharya and Martin Kulldorff. Um, Jay's from Stanford University, and
1: Martin was at Harvard, both right. epidemiologists. And it's the Barring-
0: I've, I've Great heard Barrington- of those schools. <laughs> and,
1: and and the and the Great Barrington Declaration said a little more than that. It also said that that the the goal of public health is to protect to protect the vulnerable, and right. not shut down everybody else who's less vulnerable.
2: Well, I would say actually, I would. Uh... It, it's more, you know, public health is to do the best for everybody. And uh, if this was harming young people, well, not really uh, protecting the people who need it, since the virus affects mostly vulnerable people rather than young people or harms. them. So you could sort of avoid the harms to young people uh, from school shutdowns and uh, that sort of thing, while protecting the people who actually need protection from the virus.
0: With, with this particular virus, it might not yeah. be the same for another right. virus. Right, maybe
2: not the Spanish flu that actually
1: uh, harmed mostly Affects people. Affects children, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and the the other thing about this um, was that uh, this was was um, the Great Barrington Declaration was based on science that before COVID nineteen had been. Pretty well established. Right.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, prior to COVID, uh, the pandemic plan most public health authorities relied on said that you actually shouldn't do things like lockdowns. Once a virus as contagious as COVID that had already sort of escaped, uh, you know, a small city or whatever, uh, once it's gotten out into the world, you can't really um, stop it spreading by lockdowns. So it was re- widely recognized that this wasn't really a way to contain a virus that's already you know, gotten out of Wuhan.
1: So remind our listeners, what happened to our clients?
2: <laughs> well, they were, uh, so they wrote this declaration and they were um, maligned by Dr. Fauci and many other people like Francis Collins. And what did he say at his deposition about <laughs> all this? Well, he claimed that he he claimed that he barely thought about the Great Barrington Declaration. He was confronted with emails that Francis Collins, who uh, works at the NIH, had written to him saying that they needed to do a swift and devastating takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration. And that's a quote, right? Swift and devastating. And Fauci claimed that he thought that just meant writing an article uh, (laughs) opposing their plan, which he stood and he stood by his uh, calling it dangerous nonsense. Um, And he also refused to acknowledge any kind of harms from lockdowns, really, and kept talking about the freezer trucks in New York full of bodies.
1: Yeah. And uh, and he also uh, was, uh, you know, I don't have any time for these guys. right? (laughs) I'm too
2: busy running a six billion dollar institute.
1: Right. So but then he's confronted with the email where, well, he certainly responded to emails about it pretty quick, isn't he?
0: Well, he knew how I mean. were the timestamps pretty quick in terms of how quickly he (laughs) responded to things.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think so for a guy who's running a six billion dollar institution. Yeah.
2: Well, he also went on a lot of podcasts for somebody who's too busy to uh, concern himself <laughs> with the great... Because he claimed he couldn't remember a podcast he did with Peter Daszak, where he said that the lab leak theory was nonsense because he did so many podcasts. But at the same time, he's too busy running the $6 billion Institute and inventing or developing vaccines that saved millions of lives to concern himself with... A special so, guest <laughs> at the
1: Nats games yeah. in DC, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what else? What, what other things happened at this deposition that you think might be of interest?
2: Yeah, well, one of the most interesting things, I think, was... That that he said he basically admitted he got the idea of lockdowns from China, uh, which I don't, to my knowledge, he hasn't actually said before. Uh, he said that his deputy, Clifford Lane, went to China in early 2020 and saw that they were doing so well containing the virus through lockdowns so that that's what we should do. But I will give Fauci this. He, he said, I, you know, we
1: couldn't weld people in their homes the way that China did. Right. And he, and he seemed, and he but, seemed but to but think he, that was a positive. thing. He really did. Did he? Okay. Yes, he did. And I have to, I have to join Janine there because we, we would, of course, love to say otherwise, but he did not uh, express any uh
2: desire to do that to americans yeah but uh but i don't think he's admitted that that's where he got the idea before and of course this is very interesting because china doesn't really observe human rights and also they're not they didn't do well containing the virus because they're on their eighth round of lockdowns right Right. well i guess and
0: not to mention all the incinerators that they had going
1: right Right. and and i think we've always found after every communist country falls that the statistics they turned out they they, they aren't, they aren't true. It's really amazing. So who knows? So, uh, and, and the thing is, um, one thing I was kind of, uh, surprised at, uh, the deposition went on for seven hours. There were a lot of, uh, things that didn't really affect our clients that had other issues, but, um, he, he did hold up. He, he, his energy was up through the whole thing. Um, so I think he was engaged in this deposition. I think it was important to him. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, How about for things that didn't affect our clients? What else interested you or surprised you by that?
2: Well, he was unable to really um, justify his support for mask mandates. So he had written some emails in February of 2020 to a friend saying that uh, masks don't work, so don't worry about it. She was concerned about the virus. And then on April 3rd of 2020, he so said just like six weeks later, he was telling the public, you know, you better be masking. This is how to stop the virus. So he was asked what changed in those six weeks. And he said there were studies that came out, but he couldn't recall when asked. He couldn't recall a single specific one because, of course, he's too busy and so many studies come across his desk. He can't he can't remember a specific one. But there were no studies conducted there during that time, not even the bad ones. that the CDC. Not in <laughs> six
1: weeks, right? Exactly. No, no. How, how do you do so, a, a study? You know, with a control group in six weeks on masks and viruses, um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable, an unbelievable statement, and um, and also tell about the lab leak theory. I I thought it was interesting. He 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 had some responses to that. Yeah. uh, By what he did, but he they just poo pooed it, and now I think that by a preponderance of the evidence, most people would say, yeah, that's probably what happened.
2: Yeah, well one of the interesting things about that was he was confronted with emails he had written or he had actually received I should say from some t- uh, scientists who worked for him saying that they were put the molecular stru- uh, structure of the virus was unusual and they thought that was maybe an indication it had uh, not arisen naturally. So while he was going out and telling the public, this was definitely a naturally occurring virus. He was actually getting these emails and commenting on them and they were having calls about it. So we just know he wasn't forthcoming with the public. And he's, you know, he's very paternalistic. That is his approach. So he was saying, well, I didn't want to scare the public. And, you know, maybe we had some concerns, but we didn't think it was enough to, uh, to express them.
0: Why would, you, why would you treat the virus diff- differently in terms of how, you talk about it to the public based on the origin of the leak i would think that, that whether it came naturally or it came from a lab leak it's still going to kill people at the same rate yeah I mean,
2: well i think he th- I, th- I think people thought that if it came from a lab it might there might be something really weird about it but that was some of the in fact that was some of the justification for not recognizing natural immunity was that there was something different about this virus uh, whether it was different because it came from a lab
0: or just you know did he yeah, also- except if he was propounding the natural uh, origin theory then yeah w- right yeah. exactly Then you should have yeah. that should have gone in yeah. hand with natural
1: immunity and, yeah, and <laughs> he wasn't asked about that but he was i think the other thing was i think he he wanted something having to do with uh cooperation with world health organizations that i, I oh, also yeah. controlled by china yeah. right exactly <laughs> exactly so that was that was part of it um and now he I think it's fair to say he disclaimed any knowledge of social media.
2: Yes, right? he. But he said at least ten times, "I don't have a social media
1: yeah, account." Yeah, I don't know anything about. But what does he have? Who does he have on speed dial?
2: Oh, Mark Zuckerberg. I
1: right? am <laughs> <laughs> exaggerating. He didn't say he had him on speed <laughs> dial. He just had him in yeah, his phone. Yeah. So, uh, but go ahead. What, yeah. what What was that all about?
2: Well, they were do They were getting together and doing PSAs about you know the virus and. Uh, you know how to get the public to comply with social distancing measures. So they were working um, pretty closely at some
1: point in time. And uh, and yes, so he 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 was with uh, the Facebook, the head of Facebook, um, and he couldn't recall any any telephone calls, right?
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he couldn't remember
1: anything he said to Mark Zuckerberg or yeah, anything, anything that Mar- uh, Mark Zuckerberg said to him.
0: How convenient. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you know. <laughs> You know, he's running a $6 billion corporation. He can't remember every time he talked to a billionaire. Yeah. Um, so is there any, th- any other takeaway from this deposition that you think people should know about?
2: Um... Well, he also denied really remembering Alex Berenson, who he had specifically said was a danger and should be removed from social media, and then was removed from social media. So that was another uh, interesting anecdote. He sort he sort of when confronted with a statement he had made about him at uh, about his call at
1: CPAC, he had. Um, so um, I I think the um, the other thing about this is is that. It it adds to hey we didn't do anything right they're all right. running away from it now right right and uh, and so uh, I I think that um, at some point the transcript will be released and people yeah. will be able to look at it but um, I do thank you for coming on and talking about it um, yeah. and uh, perhaps we'll talk about it some more but um, but for right now um, I think that uh, we should we should also give a shout out to. John Sauer, who took yes, the deposition, he did an excellent job, and it was, he's with the uh, the Missouri AG. And there was it was a we're at NIH, yeah, and uh, it was very interesting. We'll talk to him a little bit.
2: Yep.
1: Welcome back to Administrative Static. We've held Janine Yunus over because I think there's a few more things about the Fauci deposition that we should talk about. But over the course of the seven hours, what is a thing that you noticed in general about his responses?
2: Well, he would uh, sort of seize on the thinnest of evidence to justify anything that supported government restrictions. So mask mandates or lockdowns. Uh social would, distancing. So, yeah, which he called so he actually was careful to call lockdown social distancing because I think he knows the term isn't very popular uh, anymore, lockdowns. Um and while at the same time he would disregard, you know, any uh, even pretty good studies that sort of weighed against uh government restrictions. Yeah.
1: I don't know why he thinks lockdowns are are unpopular isn't your twitter handle lefty lockdowns and isn't that very popular (laughs) in any event so the the other thing i think that came out of it that
0: i thought lefty lockdowns one (laughs) (laughs) exactly who aren't already following janine if there's anyone left who's not
1: so um one thing i found interesting that i haven't read in any papers and i think we, we can talk about which is his response. There's been a whole theory that uh, Anthony Fauci and NIH funded the gain of function research that happened in Wuhan, that then uh, that, that that's where the virus came from, from this gain of function. And I thought that he had a specific and checkable answer to that that was interesting, which was he said that if you look at the structure of the virus, you look at the gain of function, he admitted we did have gain of function going on there that, that some NIH grant went to, which everyone knew. But he says, if you look at the structure of the virus, the virus gain of function that we were uh, supporting, it's impossible to create the COVID-19 virus from that.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and for a technical reason that, uh, you know, because it was I'm, a
0: different virus. I'm, or something. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm a lawyer for a reason. You know, there was not going to be any math. There wasn't going to be any anatomy. So I don't. I don't really uh, understand it. But I do think that when it does come out, I think that the scientific community will be able to check that answer, um, because he was very sure, and I thought very short-footed in how he explained it. Um, so as far as the gain of function um, issue that's gone around the internet, I see it all the time. Uh, I thought he had a very good answer for that, uh, at least as far as whether. American money had gone to do this, and he said, yeah. "No way, can't have happened." And, and it's checkable because of that whole structural argument that he made. Yeah. So I uh, I think we've we've touched the the uh, most exciting points of that of that deposition as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Um, I think that the uh, states of Louisiana and Missouri might have another view, but they're not here. So <laughs> I'll again go. I'll go into um, another uh, deposition that we've been seeking, which is uh, Jen Saki. The presidential s- spokesperson, I, I, uh, I gave uh, breaking news the last time we were here live with Mark. We had come from the Eastern District of Virginia where um, Magistrate Davis had said that he was going to transfer it. Well, uh, why, tell the viewers, why do we want Jen Psaki?
2: Well, Jen Psaki had made a number of statements publicly, uh, especially in the spring of 2021, where she was saying that tech companies had better ramp up censorship um, of COVID quote unquote misinformation, uh, which really means anything that departs from government messaging on the subject. So uh, even you know, criticizing social distancing, lockdowns, um, mask mandates. And, and, if and they she's government
0: messaging personified. Right? Yeah,
2: exactly. And if they didn't, they would suffer uh, legal consequences, regulation or, or other legal consequences, she was saying. So we want to know exactly. And she said, we're flagging uh, problematic posts. We're working with Facebook. We want to know uh, the extent of this, um, you know, just what they were doing. And we have some information from discovery we've gotten, but we want to know what she, her involvement, her personal involvement.
1: Exactly. And what she knows about it. And, and the so, I just want to catch the listeners up. So after it gets transferred back to Judge Doherty in the Western District of Louisiana, and lo and behold, the, the motion to quash by Jen Saki and by the government, uh, he says, no, I, I I agree with Magistrate David that, that it's not a burden, right? And so, and this happened quick. Yeah. It gets sent out Friday. On Monday, the judge knows it's there and he issues an order, but the, the files hadn't been, Actually transferred electronically to him. So I, I think, from my reading of the, of the files, that he rules on it. He says, "No, I have the same view." But the files weren't there, so he had to do it again when the files got there. That's how quickly these judges were operating. I mean, everyone knows that there's deadlines, because the, so nothing in the law usually works this fast. So I'm I'm just bringing it up that these these uh, judges are doing their jobs at a tremendous rate mm-hmm. everywhere, all over the country. Because the other thing that happened.
0: And, and uh, so that means the Sackey deposition is going ahead now. Uh,
1: so I'm not done yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> oh, he they, he
0: just quashed. I'm, he just he I'm just refused. John, so. He just refused the motion to Under- quash
1: once before the thing got him got to him. Then afterwards, once it was all in a nice little file for him, but they had the government, not Jen Sackey's lawyer, but the government had made a, a writ of mandamus to the Fifth Circuit. So there's another another court where th- this was all pending. And and
0: the Fifth Circuit- And, and you want to explain to our non-legal okay, audience what a, a, writ a writ of mandamus is? A writ of
1: mandamus is that the judge's order was um, so unlawful that the appellate court has to take command of this and, and stop it because it has ter- very bad consequences and it was very badly wrong in the law. The Fifth Circuit did not do that. The Fifth Circuit denied the writ of mandamus, but- sh- returned it to the district court with for explanations they wanted to know two things and one of them really cracks me up and we filed a we actually filed a brief today on this but um they said just like the uh, the guy who kills his parents and then and then pleads mercy as an orphan they told the fifth circuit that it hadn't been shown that written discovery wasn't good enough for the three people who had been mandamus they were they were it was like the surgeon general Vivek murphy and two other
0: fellas. The, the fact... This is the written mandamus. Yeah, yeah the written yeah. Yeah, the writ mandamus by... was
1: for those three. <laughs> and they said they're very high up there. And and it wasn't shown that they had specific information that they could, you should have gone somewhere else for it. And they didn't even use written discovery. Well, as we point out, so then the Fifth Circuit says, hey, how come written discovery wasn't good enough? And also, um, you have to show how this could not be gotten anywhere else. And you have to say why. You're doing this preliminary injunction discovery before you address a motion to dismiss. So district court, why don't you give us those answers? Uh, And we'll just stay these these depositions until those answers come in. Well, the answer is we tried to get written discovery and the government (laughs) opposed us and the court agreed with them. I mean, that's what happened. That's why there was no written discovery. We've been complaining about it for months. The Fifth Circuit was like they didn't know that because these things happen quick. Right. The mandamus, they haven't looked through the whole thing so um so now we have a fifth circuit what we call a non-dispositive ruling it's a hey look we're not mandamusing you but we need these answers before we do something so the judge is moving on these quickly the the plaintiffs um uh the states and and us have put in briefs saying look we could use some written discovery but we still think these certain people really have to be uh have to be um deposed. But, Because Jen Sackey hadn't been in the writ of mandamus, uh, the court, the lower court, Daugherty and us, and I think the government are being pretty practical about it. And we're not making another, they're not doing a writ of mandamus to the Fifth Circuit. We're just putting her in the, we're putting her in the queue. And uh, so we're putting her in the mandamus queue and doing those same rulings. Judge Daugherty ruled that her deposition could be put off. It's not stayed, but he said by December 26th. December 26th, <laughs> ah, the 25th, right? No. So they, they, we've all agreed that it will be taken on the 22nd, which is the time it takes to brief this. The whole matter of what the Fifth Circuit has ordered the district court to do is going to be fully briefed by the December 5th. So we've put in our briefing, they'll put in a reply brief on why everything should be put off. But um, I, Jen Saki, is fighting this, the government is fighting this, uh, for these four people, they have been absolutely uh, in, in every court they can get their foot in to, to scream and yell about it. Yeah. Um, and and what what the heck? <laughs> uh, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about um, Saki? And what she has to say, don't you think it's an important part of this case? I do. Both her and
2: Murthy, I think, are very important because they, you know, admitted that they were working with the tech companies. Well, they bragged about it, I guess, <laughs> which is really the crucial question here. Just, you know, exactly what they were telling them and the degree of uh, coercion or collusion. Um, and it's what actually one other interesting thing is that Fauci did not fight his deposition but these guys are <laughs> it makes me
1: uh sort of wonder what's yeah or, or the government didn't fight for him yeah I, well I guess he's we all think that his role is very high but he is not officially an apex person I yeah. think is, is why it was done I also think that um you saw how he did his deposition this guy's been in government for 50 years maybe more uh he he kind of Uh, knows how to answer questions and not answer them yeah mostly not so i i did think it is interesting that they they threw fauci off the sled but
0: but, But but, right exactly well what i noticed is that fauci did his on thanksgiving eve yeah Yeah. saki's gonna do hers on christmas eve so they're, (laughs) they're they're clearly trying to avoid as much publicity around these as they can i i noticed that
2: too because we all were you know we all went on twitter the attorneys general and i did and uh started you know talking about the deposition and i think reporters were very interested in it but i think it got less attention than it would have because it was you know right before things right <laughs> and
1: and the actual attorney general of louisiana was there as yes. was the attorney general of missouri who's yes. now the center of elect of missouri yes. um so it, it it was a it was a, a big crowd a big yes crowd. <laughs> um and i think that it's that this case is going to be looked at very very i think it's going to be precedent making for a lot of reasons I, I think that now all these courts have said uh, both in the Western District and in the Eastern District of Virginia. Hey, this is a conspiracy against people's First Amendment rights. Oh, yeah. You get to find out what people knew, and this is an exception. And, and the the Apex doctrine is a doctrine where high government officials can't be grabbed by litigants to take away from their duties and and answer questions unless it's really important. You can't get it from anywhere else, and we all agree with that. It's we have exception is a former government <laughs> exactly. Employee. That's yeah. true but we have we have not pushed we haven't said they're not apex and we say hey this this exception applies and certainly the courts so far have thought that it applies and um the fifth circuit didn't say anything different about that they just said when you do it here's the things you got to find yeah so we will come back i think we will circle back on jen seki's deposition (laughs) the continuing saga. That has gone from uh, Louisiana. That's going to be the
0: title of her uh, (laughs) uh, of her memoir. Exactly, circling back
1: from from Louisiana to Virginia, back to Louisiana, up to the Fifth Circuit, which uh, which covers Louisiana, and who knows where else it will land. Um, And Janine, thanks again for being with us. And uh, keep up the good
0: work.